This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. What is up, everyone? Welcome to The 20 Podcast. I am your host, DJ Spider. That's right. Our show is brought to you by BeatSource, the music streaming service for DJs that play everything. BeatSource has got all the music you could need for every gig and any gig with expertly curated playlists made by DJs who know what's up and they know what's up within their genre and within uh, their world. We got songs no other record pools have. We got custom edits and more. Visit BeatSource.com for a free 30-day trial or use the special code THE20 to bump it up to a 60-day free trial and let me know what you think. Hit me online on my Instagram. You can get in touch with me through my DMs. Slide up in there. Uh, at DJ Spider, D-J-S-P-I-D-E-R. I'm also on every other platform imaginable because that's what we have to do as DJs these days. So uh, hit that. I got my little link tree. I got everything up there. Thank you guys, everyone that's been coming out to my gigs live. Everybody who's been supporting the podcast online. Send me messages. Chopping up clips, just everything. I love you guys. Thank you. All the beat sorcerers. Couldn't do it without you. Appreciate it. And if you guys got any suggestions, comments, people you want on the show, hit me up. Let me know. Um, And uh, yes, I hope you guys are all doing great out there. Hope you had a great week. Hope 2022 is treating you nice and good. Um, And I have a great show in store for you today. Okay. Our guest today is a legend. And I don't use that word lightly. A legend in the radio game. Uh, A radio game as a whole, but especially in Los Angeles. And so much more, which you'll hear just from the beginning of this episode. He has one of the most well-known voices in L.A. radio and has made records with and helped to break records by many of your favorite artists. His work ethic and his knowledge is unparalleled. So prepare to learn a lot, as I did uh, just talking to him in this episode uh, from investing to making hit records to having great relationships in the business uh, to getting amazing DJ gigs. We cover a lot. We're all over the place on this episode and I felt like we could have covered so much more. Um, We even talk about his recent role in one of the craziest verses that there has been the three six mafia verse bone thugs event in LA. Uh, I had so much fun talking to him, and we're definitely going to need to record a part two. So please welcome to the show, DJ Belly Fell. We are here. It's the 20 Podcast. We have got the world famous, the legendary (laughs) Belly Fell in the building. Spider. What up, what What up? What it do? Chilling, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah. The, it's our first in-person interview of 2022, so it's a big deal. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're, this we're is back. my this is my first time seeing the offices. Yes, I'm so happy we get to be here. You know, we were talking earlier saying that we moved in here probably a few months before the pandemic started and before, before doomsday hit. Yeah, yeah. before uh, the final podcast here was middle of March. DJ Craze sitting where you're sitting, and me asking him. If he was going to cut down on his travel to China because of this virus that was coming, not knowing the, that within a couple of days our whole life mm. was going to be canceled, you know, and we're and then he coughed and we made a whole joke of like, oh shit, you know, and I'm like thinking like this will last for a month. Oh my god, or yeah. you know, the two weeks that everybody said at the time, but um, yeah, then we left here and then just recorded on Zoom and all that stuff for 
what feels like years or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Every- so nice to be back. And this office is super dope. And the more... Hopefully, every, you know, we're going through a crazy time, I guess, right now with COVID. Everyone's spiking, getting it. But I'm hoping that builds up something where we're able to have somewhat of a normal Some herd life. immunity. Yes, yeah. please. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but let's do this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I feel like that's a song. <laughs> herd immunity? No, no, I'm not a doctor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Shout to Drizzy Drake. But, and we've been talking. They don't know me. We, we, I feel like I feel like we just did a podcast. I know. I was like, we need to record this and have like a side uh, business for DJs. Pod- yeah, yeah, I yeah. actually wrote while we were talking just in my notes like, okay, we got to talk about some business stuff later because I love having that side of things. And I think the pandemic brought that out Um it brought out a lot of things that there was real things we all needed to deal with from the racism stuff of George Floyd and, you know, all those things like to the fear of how am I going to pay my bills? Exactly. To like, it's beyond just looking cool on Instagram and showing you have a gig and you're traveling. You need to know how to live your life, support and live through these downtimes. And, and, and we've chosen this life, you know, so we want to have the tools to know how to go forward, you know, and, and have the right business you know, stuff you're teaching me, you know, I know a lot of things and people look to me like, Oh, you do all these things. And I'm like, you're teaching me stuff before we started recording today that <laughs> helped me so much already. That have know? nothing to do with DJ. Yeah. But yeah. it, but it does because it puts you in a place where you can continue to DJ and you can live out your dreams, uh, while still having an income, right? Not, not worrying about, yeah. you know, how, you know, how am I going to pay this mortgage payment? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So definitely want to get into that stuff, you know. For sure. And I know sure. you're you're a master of working smarter, not harder, you know, and <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I try to work smarter, it ends up being work, you know. <laughs> right. I definitely don't work harder, but I'm not sure I work smarter. <laughs> but I appreciate that. Right. Well, I know you you definitely are one of the hardest working people, but I know I've heard you talk before about just little things, even just having a mic for your cell phone and recording your things on the road and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, like, cause I see you traveling around DJing, you're on the radio. I mean, still what Monday through Saturday mm-hmm. from 3 PM to mm-hmm. 9 PM. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, Monday you'll, you'll hear me on the air Monday right. through Saturday, three to seven. Okay. Um, and that's on power 106. On power I mean, you are, you know, pretty much the voice of LA. I mean, yeah. you're, well, I don't know about that, but I okay. You're that. one of the most iconic voices of LA. <laughs> like you. I've grown up here my whole life, you know, heard your voice, heard you just put on so many legendary DJs and artists and break records. And, you know, you've done so much, I think for the DJ culture, for the music industry, for the radio industry and everything, you know, uh, even just me being able to have a podcast talking Ooh. about DJ and, you know, you've <laughs> paved a lot of that way and, and open those well, doors. I appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you. And uh, I think that's the kind of stuff we learn about, you know, and inspire people with. Um, but yeah, how are you doing? Just, you know, beyond all that better, better, uh, than I was before Christmas and another little conversation we had before this started, I was, I was telling everybody up here that my antigens are at an all time high because, you know, I got COVID, uh, right, right before the holidays. Right. And I mean, they say that I guess for the next few months after that, you know, you're right. But yeah. And I, and I've. You I've, got all I've, the, I've if fared, you get the shots and COVID, you have like all the Thanos stones or something. <laughs> yeah, I fared well with, with it. I was lucky. That's um, good. And I was all, you know, I was, my family was very lucky. So, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, it's scary, man. You know, right. we're living in scary times. How did you and, feel? You just kind of felt 
mild or yeah i had a headache and, and you know and no fever no right. loss of taste uh i i ate like a pig uh like people <laughs> say good. oh you know you don't have an app i mean i didn't i didn't i like i said i you know we, we got lucky right so it was just really just staying away from other people and yeah you know chilling and doing stuff at the house and you know, we were ready to get get out because we, right. you know, we were, I don't know, we quarantined for probably about roughly about ten days. Um, so, but yeah, it, we're living in crazy times, and we were talking about houses and you know real estate. And, yeah, you know how um, I, I bought a few cribs during COVID. Right, you know, I was fortunate enough to to have that amenity, and yeah, and it was out of fear. Uh, wow, you know, seriously, it was. Uh, I, you know. And what do you mean? Because I feel like your role as a DJ, having a radio gig, I know radio gigs aren't, are notorious for being pulled out from people's feet, you know, right away, but you seem pretty solid in that game and, and have record hit records and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. What were your concerns? Well, exactly that. Not knowing what was going to happen with radio right. in general yeah. uh, or, um, you know, not knowing what was going to, when the DJ gigs were going to come back. Yeah. Um, you know, my gigs uh, weren't my um, bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, you know, I tend, to, I tend to, you know, I'm not very good at promoting myself. I'm not good, you know, at, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that I'm. Uh, I have a social anxiety, which oh, okay. I didn't even know that uh, yeah. until until not too long ago. Um, Interesting. Yeah, man. It's, I feel like it's, a lot of DJs do and don't realize it. It's almost like we were drawn to the turntables and the music for a reason and being in this isolation we and then we're pushed out first, yeah. to everyone and you're forced to be yeah. a different person in a way. So, yeah, man. And, I, you know, I just, I got, I was, I was scared, you know, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to yeah. take care of my family? I think we all right. had that fear to a certain degree, minus a few that probably profited off, um, COVID or, or, or maybe their business just wasn't affected and, and they, they were able to maintain, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was a homeowner and had, uh, had a, a few homes, um, you know, bought, sold, bought, sold. And I, I told myself for a long time that I, you know, I need to, I need to buy some more real estate. Yeah. And, you know, you get busy, life happens. It's never a good time. And what I learned was it's never a good time, and we talked about this, it's never a good time not to buy, right. uh, you know, a property or properties. And so when I, during COVID, uh, bought a second home in Dallas, uh, learned real fast that it was a really good decision. <laughs> and and right. uh, everybody was like, I don't think you should do that during COVID. And I'm like, nah, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to wait, you know, because one thing I learned about real estate was, you know, you look, you always look back years later and say, shit, I wish I'd have bought, you know, two, three years ago. Yeah. No matter what tends to be going on, it's always, you know, now is always a good time to buy. You know, people are always going to say, oh, you got to wait for the prices to come down. That seems to never happen. So it was. Yeah, never. I, I, it never like, happened, which is a great. You're a homeowner now, so it's great. Yeah. You know, it's great for you. Um, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen. You know, I guess yeah. there's that one time, but hopefully there's. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Not <laughs> yeah, in L.A. doesn't seem like it. And then, you know, I saw how great it was. Immediate, almost an immediate, like, literally when I bought the house, you know, it was worth when I signed the paperwork, it was worth more. And then fast forward a year later, it, it went up almost 
twenty percent, wow. if not more. And then that led, you know, I bought another house, uh, you know, uh, in another part of the country, and um, so it was out of fear. And I think that that that's that that that's a good thing. Sometimes, you know, sometimes fear is what ends up helping us. And yep. if you never get scared, you know, fear can motivate you to do some uh, different things. And, right. and, and that, that fear motivated me to do that. So I think that that's one good thing we got out of the pandemic. Right. You see people doing a whole bunch of stuff that, that, that they've been saying they were going to do their whole life. And now for the yeah. first time, you know, they're doing it. So that's true. Yeah. I think it pushes you to that place of being uncomfortable. And that's what you always hear of those, you know, self-help things or whatever, like, Get, if you're too comfortable, yeah, it's not good. No, you know, you'll get complacent. True. So it's that true. uncomfortability, if you lean into it and you sort of like listen to it, <laughs> and then you it can push you to a new place um, that ends up being positive. And that's a good way to put it. I never put it that way, but that that was exactly right. I I for the first time in a long time felt uncomfortable. Right. You know because I've been comfortable for yeah. for so long. Thank God. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, exactly. Thank God. That uh, was not that wasn't a good feeling, but but I learned so much. And right. That's why I was able to Yeah. tell you some of the things. No, I, I love it. Thank you for telling me. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, Easy. we were just discussing about Yeah, I mean, as DJs, you know, we want to just DJ and have fun, but I mean, you have to if you think about what you do with your money and you start to do well, then it's going to help you in the long run and you'll really be able to live out all the other things you do want to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I mean, just being able to buy properties and then rent them out or have them when you want to go tour in that city or, Yeah, you know. we, we talked about that. How, yeah, I'm an Airbnb in them. So, yeah, it's you amazing. Know, you know, it's it's cool because, you know, whenever I want to go to these cities, I, I just, I got a place to stay. I don't have to stay at a hotel. Right. And if I, you know, the other good thing about buying in different places, you know, and obviously we're speaking domestically, you know, I don't have any homes outside the country, but... Right. Um, but having different homes uh, allows for the amenity of, you know, if one day you want to make a change, you, you know, you have some choices. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, excuse me, very fortunate yeah. to have been able to, you know, be able to do this. And, and you could do it, too. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I, that's a whole other podcast. And right. I know we we probably spent too much time talking about that. But anybody can, can, can do that. You know, if you have a little bit of money sitting in the bank. We were taught from our parents and our grandparents to, you know, let that money sit and accrue interest. No, at that's, this point. It's the worst thing. Yeah. You know, you want to invest your money. And in, there is no interest at this point. You know, it all got taken away. So Buy, buy some crypto. Yeah, I was going to say, put it in crypto, buy a house, do yeah. a thing, yeah, figure yeah. something out or For stocks sure. or, you know. there. And it's easier to learn stuff now. You can go on YouTube and, like. Dude, that's how I, I promise you, that's how I did all this. Right. I I mean, and it's funny, you know, you want to learn how to play guitar, you don't need a guitar uh, teacher anymore. You know, YouTube, you know, your teacher, um, it it was, that's how I, I I taught myself. Um, and I knew a little bit about real estate, like I was saying before from buying and selling, buying and selling, you know, these were houses I lived in, but I never, you know, I never... I, I, you, you, you tend to think because you've never done something before that you can't do it. Yeah. And one thing I learned, you know, it, it, through buying these properties is 
you can do anything you put your your your, your mind to it. And I don't yeah. want to get all corny and stuff, but <laughs> it's but, the truth. But, yeah, when you haven't done something before, you feel like you can't do it, right? And it's a, and it's scary, right? And then, but once you do it, you're like, ah oh, man, I'm gonna ride right. this roller coaster again. No, it's yeah. so true. I think if you're not good at something at first, it turns you off, like as a human being, you know. And you could apply it to everything from DJing to sports to school to For sure. all that. And like, because even last night, just randomly, like with my son, I, I he's trying to do his homework and, you know, he's better at some things than the other. And I could tell he was getting upset and he's like, I'm just not good at this. So I don't like it. And I was like, that's a, and that's kind of what I was saying. I said to him, look, you could be good at it. You're letting the initial feeling like turn you off from it. But if you right. lean into it and you work at it, you're going to realize you are good at it. And then you'll like doing it. Yes. And same in, you could scratching. I remember being like, I can't do this scratch. So I hate it. You know? And if you just push past that uncomfortable again, you know, like feeling, I think that's, I never got there. past that with the crab, bro. <laughs> Trust me. I can't, can't flare. Can't, I've been trying for 20 years. After this I mean, I can do it. It's, it's horrible. But, but I, I remember feeling like that, you know, I learned how to scratch the, the, you know, at first. And then the next yeah. thing was to learn how to transform. Right. And, and I remember thinking like, you know, hearing jazzy Jeff, Oh my god! Uh, I think it was um, so good at it. <laughs> yeah, it was live from Union Square or something. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. But. Oh, I randomly that I listened to that yesterday oh, too okay. with my son while he was doing his homework. Yeah, so crazy. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I'll never be able to do that. When now you know I can do it. Yeah, you know, like it was nothing. Oh, same. Like, like like Jazzy Jeff, we can battle, bro. <laughs> but well, now Jazzy Jeff can do crazy. Oh things, yeah. You know. crazy. He's but, one of the one of the only DJs that has never stopped progressing oh, man, with his dude. skills, yes. right? Like yes. ever. I the, did. <laughs> well, it's hard. You do you do get comfortable, and I have my scratches that I go to, you know, and stuff like that. Every and, once in a while, I'll try something new, and I'm just like, yeah, I ain't got time for this right now. <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. You're like, I'll go buy a house. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, you'll probably be more benefit if you bought a new house rather than <laughs> learn a new scratch at this point in your career. Maybe. But <laughs> um, Well, yeah, going into that, who were some of your DJ influences, you know, coming up? Man, Jazzy Jeff. Off top, Jazzy Jeff, Jam Master J, for different reasons. Right. Uh, okay. And I'm just naming two. Um, you know, I can even get deep and go DJ Magic Mike. Uh, yeah, he Mr. was our last... Uh, uh, guest. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. He was, that's, Orlando he, was in the house. Yeah. He's he's our last Man, guest. Man, I'm so. a huge, huge fan of Magic Mike. Oh, my God. Uh, he, that's crazy. We got to make this clip and send it to him. Yeah, he's going to nah, be so happy. Dude, huge he's, fan. He's great, man. Like, our interview was great. His He has a whole double album coming out. and uh, Bro, we had, a, we had saw, a great conversation. I, I grew yeah. up on Magic Mike. Amazing. Um, you know, obviously, Mr. Mix from the Two Live Crew. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an old motherfucker, bro. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, if I, oh, um, uh, Joe Cool, uh, um, Joe Cooley. Yeah. Um, these were some just off top, right? Uh, Mixmaster Ice. Yep. That's where I first learned the, you know, oh my God, and I actually used the on that on that actual UTFO record. I yes. think it was. Uh, you to, used that to learn yeah, to do it yourself. Like I didn't have the original. <laughs> You know, right, on vinyl, but I, and then the same thing, like, you know, I would, I would, you know, buy the Jazzy Jeff Fresh Prince record yeah. and, and, and scratch on their scratch. So right. I would hear it do, 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 and try to catch that little sound that they were scratching on. Yeah. And I learned and, uh, 
But yeah, those guys, those were my, you know, to this day. I mean, I and I'm probably leaving out some some DJs, but the, the, but all those DJs I named were for different reasons. Right. Jeff was primarily, even though he was a producer, I learned more. Um, you know, the transforming stuff was yeah. really with Jeff. Jam Master J uh, was was a little bit of all that, uh, minus the transforming, because I don't think he really, Jam Master J really didn't transform. Uh, but but some of the scratching, the the, the sampling, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, we can get into the Marley Malls. Oh, yeah, of You know, course, we yeah. can get into the... To the to the Eric B's and stuff like that. Um, Mr. Mix was somebody that I learned. You know, I would hear how he would throw, and then this is where Mr. Mix and I think Magic Mike kind of are similar. They would throw these these long, you know, sometimes four bar, you know, uh, in real time, throw the record over the beat that they would create, and they they'd make songs. Right, you know, they weren't even using samplers in some cases. They were throwing the vinyl over their beat, yeah. and then repeating that and tracking it out. Wow, and and I would hear that and just be like, oh man, dude, I I gotta I gotta know how they did that because I know what record that is, and and but how did they, you know, bring it back and this and that and I that's you know when I started doing the research. Uh, then learning that that was you know tracking uh, right in the studio, and then like multi tracks, multi tracking, and you know to this day, man, I listened to that first uh, two live crew CD, um, and and it was get it girl, and we yeah. want some pussy, and and you know uh, throw that throw that D, yeah, and I'm just like, you know, he was so Mr. Mix was so ahead of his time, um. Anyway, you know, I, I can keep going on. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Stuff. I mean, that music still resonates today. That's what I was telling uh, Magic Mike. Like, you know, you you guys created this bass thing that now look what it is. Look at these raves. I mean, that whole bass music culture and all that, it all comes from that, the 808 and that sound and that bass and the fact that it goes through your body and you feel it. You know, I mean, it's I like, still, that was, and that, you know, growing up with that bass music, you know, being from Atlanta, um, you know, moving out to LA when I was in high school, right. uh, which a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, two live crew, they were, they were from a lot of, you know, the Cali air, you know, and they were from Cali. You know, I think Mr. Mix was from somewhere in Northern Cali, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't know that. Actually. Yeah. And, so, and then somehow they met Luke and, and, and there's a story somewhere I'm telling it wrong, but they met Luke, you know, I think Luke had moved to, um, Move them out there or something, and and but yeah, yeah I think Mr. Wow. Mix is from from up north, crazy uh, somewhere in Northern Cali. But and I had the opportunity to meet him years ago and, and actually interview him. How crazy! Uh, yeah, man, it was it was it was crazy. But um, but yeah, I uh, I I growing up in Atlanta, just bass music, um, and that became a part of my production. You know, started started producing with the SP twelve hundred, which I'm sure, if I'm not mistaken, Magic Mike, that was what he was using, and uh, Mister Mix was actually using the eight hundred eight back yeah. then. He, he Magic Mike definitely had an eight hundred eight too, because he's he like, yeah. I still have it. He's, still he's have like, it. at the first one. I was like, <laughs> yeah. damn, that's crazy. That's dope. Um, yeah. Also, he told me his cousin is DJ Scratch, which I didn't realize from uh, EPMD. EPMD. Oh yeah. shit! Like he told the whole story on the podcast about. DJ Scratch was staying at his house, and they got offered this Coke commercial, and and Mike didn't want to do it, and Scratch was like, "You got to do it, you got to do it." And I was why like, wouldn't he want to do a Coke commercial? <clears throat> He's like, "Fuck Coca Cola, uh, I don't want to get that check." I don't know. Uh, well, 
It was a long time ago. Maybe the check. I don't know. You yeah, got to listen yeah, to the yeah. listen to the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. For <laughs> I think sure. you'll enjoy it. Actually, oh, it was like 100%. so much stuff in there. But but yeah, I don't know why he didn't want to do it, but um, he did it, and he was happy he did it. You know, and it was a cool story. It was like him and two other DJs, and it was just crazy how big DJing was getting at that time. You know, and the corporate brands trying to get into it, and now we see where it is. You know, with mm-hmm. DJing is part of you know little kid movies and yep. TV yep. shows and kids yep. books and everything. It's nuts. But, I uh, did I did a McDonald's <clears throat> commercial when you brought up the Coke oh, thing. Oh, you did? It reminded me. Yeah. Back in the day. I can't. I think it was like, I don't know. It was like 15 years ago. And I didn't think it was a big deal. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was a big deal. Like when they asked me to do this McDonald's commercial yeah. and be the DJ in the commercial, I was right. like, oh, of course I was excited. Yeah. But I thought it was going to be more of a local commercial. And, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, man. I was right. just like, uh, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and um, and then I started getting, you know, people hitting me from around the country like, oh, bro, wow. you're on this McDonald's. And that's when I realized, you know, how big this thing was. Yeah, uh, that's dope. Yeah, that's, it, the, the, the DJ, I owe everything, uh, to your point, to 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 DJing. Right. Um, not even the producing stuff. It's, it's DJing because I would have never been able to do radio without DJing. I would have never yeah. been able to really do my production stuff without DJing. Right. Um, you how know, did you, how did you first get into it? Like, were you in Atlanta when you learned about DJing and how to do it? I was, okay. I was. Um, so I, I I was living in Atlanta. My homie that that lived across the street, which is <laughs> probably he's still my longest running friend, if that makes sense. I yeah, think, I think I've known him. We've known each other since we were twelve years old. Crazy. Shout out to my boy Tony Cruz. Um, but he lived across the street, and one yeah. day I was at his house, and he had a a UTFO record. Uh, I think it was Roxanne. It was I think it was Roxanne Shante. It was Roxanne, okay. Roxanne. UTFO. If anybody knows the history on Roxanne and UTFO, it's they're kind of right. There's a, there's that's, a story. That's there. a side thing. Yeah. you can look that up. Right, you guys. right. <laughs> but it was I think it was Roxanne, Roxanne, and I yeah. took that record to my house. You know, and my mom had you remember those little turntables that had the plastic platter on top, the two cassettes built in, yeah. and the radio all together yeah and it was kind of a flimsy plastic platter yeah uh and i put the record on it and i i i i wanted to learn to scratch <laughs> and i learned right. real quick i got to put something underneath and so i got paper towels out of the kitchen you know put the paper towels on there the corners right. were were the corners were coming out of the record so i cut the corners off and so i had these two paper towels and and then i learned i got to put a penny or something on the needle because it skips you know and i was like how do they do this without it skipping you know (laughs) i didn't realize at the time they were they had turn you know techniques 1200 turntables i didn't even know what that was back then of course but that's how i got into djing uh and and i just i caught the bug immediately right i think um i ended up getting a jazzy jeff fresh prince record um, learning how to do that transform scratch. And so I wasn't mixing and blending records. I started off actually DJing, learning how to scratch. Wow. And I wanted to catch the beat, you know, yeah. and rock the beat, you know, just, and I would use that, the turntable setup or the turntable setup, the, the, the turntable <laughs> right. cassette thing my mom yeah. had wasn't a, a turn knob. It was a, a slider. The volume knob was a slider. Oh, okay. So it, it actually crossfaded. Yeah, it was actually the perfect little cheap, you know, setup 
right. uh, to learn how to scratch on. Yeah. It just happened to work out that way. But I would just turn the volume up and down, and and I was able to mimic what they you were could doing. Kind of hear like, oh, I'm making that sound with because yeah, not and not knowing they were doing this with a mixer, right? But I just remember thinking like, how do I get that sound? And somehow I figured it out. And uh, it wasn't until later that I you know realized like. Oh, there's better turntables, and there's there's a thing called a mixer, <laughs> right? You know, saw, seeing videos. I think yeah. I saw it in a video, and that's like a know. VHS. I remember too. Like I saw, it and I was like, oh, finally, because back then it was hard to even find DJ friends or even oh, have yeah. anything to watch or whatever. And then uh, my buddy Tony, uh, he had a uh, his his cousin Lewis lived on the other side of town in Decatur, and uh, we lived on the south side, and. And, and, and anybody from Decatur or even from Atlanta knows about DJ Edward J. Yeah. And he used to make mixtapes when they were real mixtapes, actually on a cassette. Okay. And his cousin left a, a, a tape one day. And, it, and I was like, yo, this shit is crazy. It was just, it was just mixing, nonstop mixing of these songs that I'd never heard before. Like, you know, like Electric Kingdom uh, you you would hear Planet Rock on the air, you know, on certain you know, on V103 in Atlanta, but there was very few of those mix shows that yeah, you could I'm hear sure. the breakdance music. Right. There was, this is, you know, and I'm dating myself, but there wasn't, you know, V103 was an urban station, but you had to listen at certain times if you wanted to hear that type of, you know, we used to call it breakdance music. Right. Um, uh, and then, you know, obviously the bass music came in with two live crew, all this yeah. stuff, you know, was on a, on a cassette and it was blended together and he was talking over it. Right. And so DJ Edward J is actually another DJ that, that I grew up and I learned from little John will testify to that. He, he sure. grew up the same way hearing Edward J, uh, Jermaine Dupree. Um, we grew up, Hearing the, the that that DJ Kid Capri is somebody I'm leaving out. Kid Capri is 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 what got me, uh, what using a mic stand. Oh, okay. and clubs used to hate because I'd always be like, I need a mic stand, <laughs> right, right? And I ended up, you know, finally just bringing a mic stand yeah. everywhere with me. Not not now because most clubs have it, but but I would always want the mic so I'd have my hands free. And I and I learned that from Kid Capri. Okay, uh, I mean he's a master. master. Like I've seen him just. To have like a stack of a hundred records, no sleeves, anything, just put, boom, 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 putting them on, yep. off, forty fives. Like I saw him do it. Beasting. I saw him do it. We DJed an event together in New York years ago, and I was I I don't think he has a clue even to this day. And and we were recently, I think we were. He had he had hit me on Instagram, or he had, he had commented on something that I on Instagram. Yeah, and 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 he added me and. Uh, <laughs> But 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 he didn't even have a clue, man. That that when I was when I DJed with him that gig, uh, I was just like, oh shit, this is crazy. Right. I think I expressed it to him. I th- but but yeah, he. I learned so much from that dude. That's so dope. Yeah, I mean, those are uh, legends. You know, foundation of of DJing and hip hop and. And so you went from learning to scratch. How did you then figure out? Okay, I want to blend or or moved also to LA. You, so moved you moved to LA. LA. Okay. So so yeah, I um. Shortly after that, uh, my mom remarried. We moved from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Right. I went to Gary High School in Pomona for for a, a hot second. Okay, um, um, and and moving out here, there was there was you know anybody who went to high school back in the eighties or nineties in L.A. I, you know there was always a DJ, uh, and, and a lot of the schools, our school, we had a DJ. I think every Friday. 
Um, and uh, what I was going to say is if you went to school out here, you know, you eat outside. Most most schools, you have lunch outside. Yeah, you're there's, right. There's a concession area. True. You know, kind of like you're at a football game. You get your chili, your chili Fritos and, you know. Um, yeah. I guess I never thought about it like that, but you're right. Yeah. We would always just be eating outside out here. You know, it, it, and, and, and I thought it was, you know, just my high school, Gary High School. But then as I started, when I got into radio and started going to these high schools as a DJ, I yeah. realized like, oh, everybody eats out, out outside. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, most schools do. But anyway, yeah. we, on Fridays they'd have a DJ and he had two turntables and they were those techniques, 1200 turntables. And I can't remember this dude's name to save my life, man. Uh, but we played, we played on the basketball team together. Uh, but he, um, he he had these turn. I'm like, those are the turntables from the video, and they were Technique's 1200 turntables. I think he had a realistic mixer, and uh, which which I already had at that point. Oh, okay. I I did have a mixer by the time I moved to LA, but I was using an old my mom's old turntable still, and then the other one was another old turntable that I had gotten from you know some I don't know where. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> and I had it hooked up. I figured out how to rig it into the realistic mixer, so they weren't. Techniques twelve hundred turntables. So when I saw this dude in, in the in DJing with the, I was like blown away, and I immediately you know started talking to him. And before you know it, he's like, "Oh man, you should DJ one Friday when, when I'm out here." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and and I only had maybe two crates of records at right. this point. Uh, and 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 so I remember running home trying to figure out how to, how to scrounge up some money to go get a couple more pieces of vinyl. And I think a couple of Fridays later, that's when I, I DJed during our lunch at Gary High School in Pomona. That was, wow. I can honestly say that was the first time I ever DJed in front of a crowd. If Do you, you remember what that. you played? Man, I want to say it was uh, like a Schoolie D. It might have been a, a Boys in the Hood, Easy e Yeah. You know, uh, those are the two that stand. Everlasting Bass, Rodney O and Joe right. Cooley. It, those were those were some of the the records I had Dope. back then. Electric Kingdom, yeah. Uh, Twilight Twenty Two, amazing. That's yeah, so yeah. cool. But that uh, shortly after that, I uh, m- my my family moved to Dallas, and at that point, I had the bug. And so right. now I'm a you know a bedroom DJ living in a new city in Dallas, trying to figure it out. And, you know, buying records, DJing in my bedroom. And I got into doing house parties. Um, some 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 dude, it was a buddy, buddy of mine brought a friend of his one time to this house party we did. It wasn't even a house party. We rented out the, the party room at an apartment complex. And we oh. would charge like five bucks. And you we'd have a big, big, you know, uh, bowl of punch of whatever it was drink we'd make. Yeah. And, you know, you get in there and you, 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 five bucks got you a cup right? and got you in the door. And we would throw these little, these little parties, uh, just to have fun, just to bring the girls and to may- maybe make a little bit of money. Right. You know? Uh, and, um, met this dude, he, he tell he, his name was Carlos. He says, Hey man, have you ever, would you ever want to DJ at a club? And I'm, I think I was maybe at this time, at this point, I might have been 19 years old. And I'm okay. like, bro, I'm only 19. He's like, yeah. don't worry about that. I want, and he ended up taking me to this club near downtown Dallas. It was called the Hakata Club. It was off of uh, Fitchu and 75 in that area. Okay. Fitchu Avenue and 75, kind of kind of northeast Dallas. And um, he, uh, 
he said, you know, they want you, you could try out, and they need it. It was a Spanish club. They played mainly salsa, merengue music, right. and he said they need a DJ who can play, you know, hip hop and dance music. Okay, and I'm like, okay. So he's like, they want you to try out. So I went up there, um, played for about 30 minutes, and 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 they were like, keep going. They, they they really liked it, and they ended up hiring me. And I think that was my first club gig, and I and they. They hired me to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays for seventy five bucks a night. Oh, okay. I mean, at the time, but, but that back sounds then, good. yeah. I mean, I was making three hundred dollars a weekend. You know, yeah. if you want to call it a long weekend, but but I right. was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so that was my that was what got me into the club scene in Dallas. That led to another club, another club. You know, that right. club ended up shutting down. Uh, then I, I DJed at a spot off of Lemon Avenue called the es- uh, Escapade. Uh, shout out to my boy Mean Mowdy. Uh That's where I met him. He was a, 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 a he played a lot of Spanish music, mainly Tejano music, and he was the other DJ at that club. Then I ended up DJing at a club called Rhythm Nation. And then I ended up at Zaps, another club called Tejano West. Uh, but along that club, doing those clubs. That's what got me into radio. Okay. That's what got me into radio. And did you get into radio in Texas? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you started your radio career When I was in, in Dallas, Dallas uh, at a station called KNON 89.3. It was a, uh, and still is, a community radio station. Wow. At the time, it was in an old-ass house. Uh, <laughs> no way. In the hood. In, in, in East Dallas. Um, and the way that went down is uh, I, I would submit um mega mixes that I would do on cassettes. Okay. Where I was, you know, I was getting my Mr. Mix DJ Magic yeah. Mic on where I would actually do some original beats, but I'd throw, you know, little little bits of other records over over beats that it's I did. Crazy cuz you were like building a blueprint for what your life would become, <laughs> yeah, you know. Ca- looking back on it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I, man, I wish I still had some of those tapes, uh, yeah. but, uh, uh, they actually got, uh, stolen at one point. I got my, my apartment that I was living in at the time oh, broken damn. into, but whole nother story. But I was, yeah. So I was, I was living in this, um, I had moved out of the house by that point. My parents had moved back to Atlanta Okay, and I stayed in Dallas DJing at these clubs, living in, you know, living in a, a garage apartment, trying to make it. Yeah. And, um, was I would submit these mega mixes and they would play them uh, on on the station. Right. And the dude, his name was uh, 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 Jim uh, Jim Evans. He was a he was a DJ that would play all the Latin hip hop. He'd play all the Miami bass music, is what we called it back then. Um, uh, all the dance, you know, all, all the all the hip hop. He he was just all the all the hot shit you would want to hear in your car or in the club. He played yeah. it on his show. And from Stevie B to Two Live Crew, to 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 Naughty by Nature, right? And um, sounds dope. <laughs> yeah, it was dope. It was super dope. Uh, rest in peace to Jim Evans. But he um, he he was like, yeah, you know, I don't know how I met him, but you know, he, he's like, give me a tape, I'll play it. And he actually played my mega mix. Like I want to say it was like a thirty minute mega mix off a cassette on the air. And uh, wow. <laughs> that was the first time I was ever on the radio. Um, I heard, heard one of my mixes on the radio. And then shortly after that, I met I met a dude by the name of Alan Hammer, 
who had his own show on that same community station. Yeah. This was a radio station, by the way, where they'd have one hour of country music. The next hour would be, you know, Tejano music. The next hour would be hip hop, sh- wow. hip hop show. Cause it was a community station. Right. So kind of like a college radio college, station college, too, the same like way. A, they just got, okay, you do this but, show. But they had a huge, uh, um, frequency. Wow. So I think it was like 50,000 watts or something like that. So it competed with some That's of these. That's crazy. How did they get that? Yeah. Such a big station and then have that house. Out of that, that, that little ass house. That's you know, not- go figure. I think it was because the city, you know, they wanted, the, you know, Dallas right, supported like you said, that community. station. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's and it's still around to this day. Not in that, that old house, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish it still was, man. But, um, but yeah, that, that I got an opportunity to DJ on Alan Hammer's show. And he called it the Rhythm Nation Power Hour because they had a club called Rhythm Nation. The club would make donations because it was a a community station. So the club would make donations to this radio station. And in turn, they they, they were given a three-hour slot on Saturday nights. And so from 7 to 10 on Saturdays, Alan Hammer would do this show. And then when he would get off the air at 10 – he would go to the club on that Saturday night. So all right. these people that would listen to the Rhythm Nation Power Hour would end up at Rhythm Nation, the club, because they were playing all the hottest, of course, you know, yeah. you know uh, the hottest shit at the time. And I had an opportunity somehow to DJ on, on, on his show. And he ended up asking me if I wanted to come back to next week and the next week. And, and before you know it, I was DJing um, often, if not every Saturday, uh, on on this uh, on this station. Wow! And um, one day he called. Uh, he was like, "I'm running late. Can you start the show?" And I'm like, uh, "And he would literally tell me like, you want to turn this knob on the board?' Because I never ran the board. <laughs> yeah, I was always over here on my turntables. Right. And he goes, "All you got to do is turn this knob up, hit play on your turntables. Your your turntables will be on the air." And so. The next thing I think a few weeks later is he's like, I'm not going to make it at all. Oh, and wow. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and that was my debut. into, Or I think what he said is I'm running really late. Right. Well, the really late turned into just meet me at the club, man. You do the show tonight. Yeah. And he show, he told me how to do everything on the phone. And I think somebody that was up there that worked at the station kind of came in. And that was the first night that I ever was on the air where not only I played my mixes, but he showed me this is the knob. My nose, I'm not saying pots, sliders. It was He's like, this is the knob you turn if you want to say something on the mic. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, uh... And, and at first, uh, I remember Alan Hammer was his name. He goes, you don't have to say a lot. Just, you know, just say Rhythm Nation Power Hour. Just say, we'll see y'all at the club later tonight. Just promote the club. And, right. And I did. And then one thing led to another, and I would I would do the show more with him and be on the mic. And, you know, there would be a lot of times where he would just tell me, just do the show on your own. Yeah. And so I was DJing on a turntable setup while I was had a radio board next to me <laughs> and that's how I got my, my start. And, wow. Um, he was, he was one of the first people that, that, that believed in me as uh and there was a lot of people. There was a lot of people that gave, like I said, my boy Carlos to saw me at the house party. I mean, I yeah. can go back and name a thousand. It's still etched in my mind. Right. All the people that saw something in me. Yeah. And, uh, and Alan Hammer was definitely one of them. Um, and, and, uh, that led to me getting a job at the club DJing, and it was pretty much the hottest 
you know, Latin club at the time yeah. in the city. And when I say Latin club, as you know, Latinos want to hear everything, including all the English music, the hip hop, the dance. Right. So, yeah, I ended up going over there DJing with uh, Jam and Joe Martinez, what was his name. And and we were we were DJing at Rhythm Nation. That led to a, another club. Um, and before you know it, the 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 radio station that that KNON eighty nine point three offered me my own show. Uh, me and a guy by the name of Ricky Rincon, and me and Ricky had our own show. I can't remember what we called it, but I think we were on for a couple of hours on Wednesday. Every Wednesday at four o'clock, I think is what it was. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, may have been twelve o'clock. I can't remember, but and then um, and then I got I got an opportunity to do. I got a call one day uh, from a from a girl named by the name of Sammy Gonzalez, and I remember answering my phone and and I was like Sammy Gonzalez from one hundred point three Jams, which was the one of the big dance urban stations in in Dallas. Okay, and she was a big air personality for years on that station. So for her to call me and be like, "Hey, Sammy Gonzalez," it was a big deal, and I was a big fan of a DJ by the name of Albie Bad that worked at one hundred point three Jams. And ironically, dated a girl who had a sister that was an overnight personality. Her name was Champagne, I think was her name. And one day when I was dating this girl, she's like, you want to come up to 100.3 Jam? So I actually got to see that radio station and see Al B. Bad's DJ room, which was probably the size of this room, if not bigger. And it had a big window. It was his own room with turntables that he could see through to the to the radio room, and I was just blown away. If I wasn't a fan of his hearing him on the radio, I definitely became a fan walking into his on-air DJ room. Now, mind you, this is 2 a.m. in the morning because it was overnight shift. And yeah. Like, I was dating this girl that was her, – her sister was on the air at yeah. night. So I had the amenity to come up there. I saw right. this room, all his records laying everywhere, and I was just like, holy shit. This is, you know, this, I, I if I didn't know what I wanted to do by then, at that point I did when I left 100.3 Jams wow. that night. So anyway, I had that experience. You know, fast forward a couple of years later, I'm DJing on this community radio station, and I get a call from Sammy Gonzalez from 100.3 Jams, and she's like, hey, I want to offer you a job. And I'm like, Oh shit. And she goes, yeah. And I'm thinking like hundred point three jams here I come or, you know? Yeah. And she goes, um, I, I just got, she said, I just got offered a job as the program director for this new Tejano station, the Spanish station uh, that's going to open up. It's called kick FM. And I remember thinking to myself, how does she see me fitting in the mix of this? You know, <laughs> right. Mix like, why of this, am I no pun intended. Called. Yeah. But, but she knew that I also knew how to mix Spanish. And I think she, she knew she, she liked the fact that I was taking a hip hop element and applying it to Spanish music. Right. Which back then that wasn't going on a lot. You didn't, yeah. you didn't have DJs that were mixing and blending Tejano music and salsa, merengue. I learned a lot of that from uh, a dude that I mentioned earlier, uh, Mean Mouty, who was a big Spanish uh, DJ in Dallas. Um, he 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 pretty much set the mark when it came to radio personality slash DJ, like because he knew how to do both. Yeah, and he he really taught me all about you know the Spanish music. A little bit I learned from the that that Hakata Club. That, that right. was the salsa merengue right. club, the, yeah. but moving on, learned a lot from Maudie, and so 
she knew that I knew how to mix Spanish music, and I, I, because I, she would hear us do that on the community station. Yeah. So she and something clicked in her head one day. I don't know if she heard from somebody that I'd be somebody that would be good, but she said, "I want to offer you a job." as a personality and I want you to do your mixes, your Spanish mixes. And I'm like, Oh, you know? And I said, okay. I said, but you know, my Spanish ain't really, you know, yeah. As long as I don't have to interview anybody, I think I'll be good. She goes, no, she goes, do you know how to at least introduce the songs? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I actually read Spanish better than I, than I speak it. Okay. And she, which is, I know it's weird. Uh, but, but she's like, uh, you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, Oh shit, no, I'm not. <laughs> so I ended up reluctantly taking this job at kick FM. And I remember thinking, can I still do the, this? You know, she goes, you, you would have to leave that, that station, even yeah. though it was a community station, it really right. wasn't in competition. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. They I could, want you I, exclusive. I could, they wanted me to, I couldn't do both. Um, I think, K-N-O-M was okay with me doing both. But but anyway, I ended up going, and I think I did 7 p.m. to 12 midnight. My ratings got good. I think I ended up moving to afternoons. Long story short, I did that for about a year. Yeah, She left to go on to do other things. I didn't really see eye to eye with the new program director that was there. I think he was kind of, I don't, I, I don't know if the word jealous is, is but he was, I had really established myself at that station. Yeah. And I think, and he was, I think, doing the morning show at that time. And, and he just, the guy didn't like me. And, and, and I just, I didn't want to be a part of it. Right. And I left and went back to working K-N-O-N. And by the way, I complained so many times to the management that this dude's going to ruin this station. Uh, he was, he was an asshole to everybody. And, and, and me and some others spoke up, but they never listened. Right. And so I just I left, uh, went back to Canoen. About a couple months later, I got a call from them wanting me to come back, and I and 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 I thought about it, and I was like, no, and I'm glad I didn't because not even a week later, it's funny how things happen. I got a call from a buddy of mine who worked at the big hip hop station in Dallas, mm -hmm. saying, hey, they they want to talk to you. It was K104. Uh, 104.5, anybody that lives in Dallas is familiar with KKDA. Um, and then that's that's where I got my shot in hip-hop radio. Wow, I didn't realize you had such a huge footprint in Dallas, you know, with <laughs> all that for radio and everything. I guess you could say that, yep. That's incredible. And that, so I got, I remember when they, uh, my buddy called me, he goes, hey, they want to talk to you about a job. And I'm like, really? And I was excited as shit because yeah. K104 was exactly that. They were, they were the shit and they were the big hip hop station. And obviously hip hop was my, you know, forte Yeah. and my, you know, love Spanish music. But honestly, main, the main reason I even played Spanish music was because I was, uh, found myself a lot of times in front of an audience that they wanted to hear that as well as the hip hop, right. which I grew a love for it. Yeah. Uh, but hip hop was still what I really, you know, yeah, what I really wanted to do. In a way. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. You throw on some Ramona Yala to this day and I'm, I'm, I'm getting it in, but you know, in some certain salsa merengue <laughs> songs that still bring yeah. back memories, but right. hip hop was my thing. So when I got the call from, from, uh, my buddy Nippy Jones, 
He did the. Uh, he he worked there. You have really good memory yeah, for memory. everyone's well, names. You know, and you know, I don't forget people who changed my life. Right. And 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 if I have forgotten somebody along the way, it wasn't intentional. It is not intentional. But but he was somebody who he had a record pool. Mm-hmm. He worked at at the hip hop station, so all the labels would send him vinyl, and I got to know him because I was a DJ. I he, I knew he had his record pool was the shit. He had yeah. all the newest hip hop stuff that the labels gave him. So I was always at his house going through records, buying buying stuff. And uh that's how I knew him and and he knew what I did and he knew I was on KNON and um I don't know if he had put a word in for me. I don't know how they they found out. But in hindsight looking back, I I at the time I didn't know cuz I didn't think I was a big deal. But in hindsight, looking back, what it was is I had put so much work in the clubs, did mixtapes, um, um, was on these different, you know, smaller stations that, you know, it was it was growing my, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't even know what a brand was at the time. I was just really doing what I loved to do. Yeah. And um, found myself with this opportunity. And he said, yeah, they want to talk to you. Can you come to the station at 10 a.m. tomorrow? And I'm like, Yeah. Came up, met with uh, the pro- the program director at the time, uh, music director. His name was Skip Cheatham. Met uh, the general manager. Hi- uh, um, uh, gosh, see, I-, I told you I'll leave somebody out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's still impressive the amount I- of names you remember. I'll think of his name yeah. in a minute. But he, uh, they, they interviewed me, and they were like, "Yeah, we want to offer you 10 p.m. to 2 a.m." And I'm like, "Man, this is in my mind." I'm, you know, so huge to have that. Right. And I, here I am thinking that this, I'm going to be mixing from 10 PM to 2 AM. Cause that, I was a DJ and I figured that's why they were hiring me. Yeah. Well, they wanted to hire me as an air personality. Wow. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, I thought I was going to be mixing. Right. Long story short, they ended up, uh, realizing that, you know, this could be beneficial to us as a hip hop station. Cause he's a, you know, he's, t- you know, a DJ. Yeah. And and I think they had planned on letting me have like a thirty minute mix during that four hour show. Right. It ended up being when they saw how you know I, I, how much I wanted to you know mixing was such a part of what I wanted to do. They gave me a twenty minute mix at the top of every hour. Oh, so cool. I'd mix from ten to ten twenty, eleven to eleven twenty, twelve to twelve twenty, one to one twenty. Right. And, and my show was again from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And it was huge. You know, I was, man, at that point, nobody, I, I thought I had made it in life. You know, they, yeah. I was on top of the world. It was such a, I can't even put it into words. Um, you know, it was, it was a huge opportunity uh, for me. And, you know, I just remember, I remember all the homies hit me like, what the fuck, bro? You're on K104. That led to me doing the six to 10 evening spot. Mm hmm. Which was very bittersweet for me because the guy I told you about Nippy Jones that kind of uh, you know that I was such a fan of and kind of helped bring me in, so to speak. Um, Nippy, they let him. They he moved on to do other things, yeah. and 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 I ended up sliding into that six p.m. Oh, okay. to ten p.m. slot, the earlier evening slot, which is yeah. you know it was a better slot, uh, more people listening, and uh, they they teamed me up with a dude by the name of Coco Butter Brown. <laughs> my dog uh one of the dopest freestylers to this day that i've ever heard wow. in the game he was one of the first if not the first group ever signed to rap a lot um wow that's crazy I think royal flush was the group he was in but he was doing radio or they he, they pulled him in just like they kind of did me and uh 
they he was already on the air actually, and then another guy by the name of Rock T, uh, DJ Rock T, uh, they put us together and made us the tight at night crew, and so we were six p.m. to ten p.m. and I would DJ, uh, I think two different times during that slot. Okay, it was like a twenty minute mix here and a thirty minute mix here, and so, um, yeah. Did that show for for some years, and I had my own weekend slot. I think I was on Saturdays, I think, and Sundays uh, during the afternoons on my own. Um, and I mean, in, in any slot they had, I was I was basically doing it. Uh, that's and, amazing. And then, so that's all pre LA too. Pre LA. So pre-LA. then, well, that, well, but, but had been out here for high school, but yeah, pre. But I mean, pre radio, I guess. Yes, yes, Power yeah, one hundred six, yeah, yeah. and and what you're known for here. Yep. So then that went on for a while, and then you ended up out here. At was Power the first station you got on? First or? and only. Um, yeah, and and the, so the story with that is, I I I think about three years later, I'm, I'm I was still on K one hundred four in Dallas, still loving it. Um, but I wanted to, um, uh, I wanted to shop my, I was a producer and I was producing local, local artists in Dallas, some urban, some Latin artists that were more Latin hip hop, Stevie B type, you know, artists, uh, you're using um, that SP, uh, I was using SP. (laughs) I was using, at that point I was, you know, I had a computer, uh, I was sequencing with, I think it was. It wasn't Logic. It was something else at the time. Cubase or something. It was Cubase. And, and, and <laughs> that I was, was the doing, PC well, production the first, one. The yeah. first program I was on was was off a 520 ST, Atari 520 ST <laughs> computer, and it was a program called um, Notator. Oh, okay. And and, 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 and and then the next one I think I learned was Cubase, and then I learned Logic, and then I learned Pro Tools. <laughs> and now I use Logic, Pro Tools, and the SP. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I was producing artists in Dallas, and – um, one uh, one thing I left out wh- the reason I built such a and remembering back such a great relationship with Nippy Jones mm-hmm. that had the record pool yeah. that was on the air is because he knew that I rapped he knew I produced and he he asked me one day can I can I can you do an intro for our show right and I'm like hell yeah so I did this 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 show intro where I'm rapping about them being on the radio and it's six o'clock, it's time for them to be on the air. And that's, and they played it, played it every day at six o'clock every day. And, um, and then about a year later he asked me for a new intro and I did a new intro where I'm rapping about their show and intro on their show. Yes. At one time I was, I was, I was trying to do my rap thing and I failed miserably at it. I wasn't (laughs) bad, but, but I I wasn't You got the voice for it. Well, thank you. I wasn't great. And I think I realized, you know, you start realizing what your, what your skill set, where your skill set is the strongest. Yeah. And it was definitely DJing, um, you know, so so anyway, but that got me my foot in the door to meet J- you know Nippy Jones doing intros for their show on K one hundred four while I was on K and O N, mind you. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. And um, so so it was tough for me when they gave me the opportunity to do that evening show, uh, but nevertheless took that opportunity. Nippy gave me his blessings. He got out of radio, actually. And then years later, I found myself like, man, I got to, you know, I've done this radio thing. I've done this club thing. I've taken it to the 
the the the as high as I can go in radio in Dallas, as high as I can go with the club scene. Yeah. But I but I wasn't happy with where I, where I was with my music production, even though I had done a lot in the city. I had yeah. produced a lot a lot of local stuff. So I decided to go to L.A. Uh, I took a week vacation, uh, came out to L.A. At that point in my radio career, I had met a lot of record label people. Mm -hmm. So I called them all up and I said, hey, I'm coming out to L.A. Can you help me set up some meetings with A&Rs to shop my beats? And, you know, people like Buys One, uh, Jay Grand, uh, Sam Crespo, some of these guys were in New York, but they, they had the labels also had a spot in LA right. and I would call these, you know, these record promoter friends of mine yeah. to tell them I was coming to LA and they would help me, they helped me set up meetings for that week that I was out here. And during the time I was out here, uh, my buddy buys who I think at the time worked for Arista records, uh, buys one right. new to buys yeah, legend shout in to the buys. game. Legend, Still man. talk to him. That's yeah. the homie, man. Um, another person that, that changed my life. Really? Uh, that just, you know, like I said, there was just these certain people, man, that I think we meet that we we have to pay that homage to because yeah. he saw something in me when I was in Dallas that, that that you know, others didn't see or didn't know, and he helped he helped bring that to the right. forefront. Yeah, he's very good at having visions of things and yeah. bringing things oh, man, dude. and making things known, I guess. You know, I mean, that's his job, but I think it's, a, it's an innate talent. But he doesn't have he to do that. Exactly. And, and he's done that for a lot of people. Right. Um, no, he's uh, a good dude. Myself included. And so Buys, Buys was, was knew that I was out here and, and, and was one of the people that helped me set up meetings. And he said, hey, he knew I played ball. Okay. And he said, and he said, you want to you go play ball on Tuesday when you're out here at DJ Quick's house? And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so we, we, he comes and picks me up. I think I was staying at some hotel in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. And he comes and picks me up. And uh, we go. We he said I got to make a stop at 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 Power One Hundred Six, the radio station. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. You know, Baker Boys. You know, yeah. Big Boy. Like I I was living in Dallas, but as a DJ, you know, I knew what was going. This was obviously before social media, before. Right. But you know, I was so into the hip hop culture. Yeah, I knew about what was going on in New York. I knew about what was going on in L.A. Of course, and at the time. You know, L.A. was all about uh, Big Boy. It was all about Baker Boys. Of course, I can take it back to um, to K Day when. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh man, my mind's going blank right now. Greg, help me out. Oh, um, uh, did all the N.W.A. Greg Street, not uh, Greg. Greg, Greg uh, Street's my buddy in uh, Atlanta, but um, Greg. Um, man, I'm I'm embarrassed right now. Anyway, uh, and, and of course Julio G and names like yeah. that. I, I knew about 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 these 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 guys, and knew about Power One Hundred Six. Yeah, um, and so I I found myself. Yeah, I'll go to I'll stop at Power with you. And he 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 brought me upstairs with him. He had to drop off some vinyl to the music director. Right, who I didn't really, I don't think knew who, knew who that was at the time. But I was in the hall waiting on buys, and I saw him talking to to this dude, and I'm like looking at the dude the whole time, I'm like, man, I know this guy. Um, when they finish talking, that dude comes out in the hall, and he's like, Felly, DJ E man, and I'm like, how do I know you? And he reminded me. He said we met a couple of years ago in Miami at a Loud Records. Uh, 
little get together. Oh, crazy. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That and I, he reminded me, remember we were popping champagnes with DJ Mind Motion from the Bay? He said a couple of key things that reminded wow. me, you know, uh how yeah. we had met. And immediately I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. E man. We drank legend. the shit out of some champagne that <laughs> night. Uh so so he was like, Hey man, I you know, I hear what you're doing in Dallas. And I think it was because Baez had mentioned like, yo, you should meet Felly. He's he's killing it in Dallas. And E Man was like, uh Yo, you know we're looking for a night DJ, a night uh, host, and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not here for that. And um, one thing led to another. He went and got the program director, which was his boss at the time, and and uh, Jimmy comes down the hall. They go get him, and he meets me, and he goes, "Hey, do you have a air check tape tape on you?" And we can listen to. And I'm like, I'm not. No, I don't. I, <laughs> like, and he I'm goes, well, go back to Dallas and send me a tape. You know, wow. he said, we're looking for somebody. I said, all right. So I, I did exactly that. I went back and I, 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 I made a tape of them giving an example of how I was on the air and never heard back from him. Oh, no way. And at the time, the girl I was dating, you know, it bothered me. And I remember her, I remember her telling me like, you know, don't worry. You know, they, they didn't, you know, they, they probably, you know, she was trying to make me feel better about right. shit. And I just remember, like, damn. And um, all of a sudden, out of the blue, about I don't know how long, weeks or months later, a month later, I get a call, and it was Jimmy Steele, the program director, and he said, "Hey, uh, f- I answered. The, I thought it was a record person. It was eight one eight number. <laughs> right. I'm like, somebody wants me to play their record here yeah. in Dallas. And uh, he said, "Hey, uh, it's Jimmy Steele, KPWR. You know, we we loved your air check tape." And I'll never forget one of the things he told me. He was like, yeah, it was on my desk. He's like, I just got back from a second honeymoon in Hawaii. That's why it took me so long. And I'm like, great. I'm fucking, you know, the whole time thinking they don't like my shit. <laughs> right. And he's in, and I'll never forget. He told me, he goes, yeah, we've let all the guys hear it. You know, Damien Young, uh, uh, Demiza was his, uh, his, his, uh, name. Right. Uh, and big boy, you know, really, really liked your tape. And I was like, wow. I'm like, that, that's cool. And I didn't know a lot about big boy at the time, but I knew the name Yeah, and I, and I knew that, that he was, he was the man, you know, at, 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 at power. And, um, you know, and, and I, and everybody had a lot of respect for him, including myself, what little I knew about him. Yeah. So that was exciting. And he, he brought me back out. Um, I had to find a way to get off again to go back to LA without it looking crazy. And, um, <laughs> Came right. out, came out for a weekend. I think it was a powerhouse concert, and he wanted me to see how the station, how they got down with right. events and stuff like that. And I, and that was the beginning of, of now almost twenty two years, twenty one years going on twenty two of oh Power One Hundred Six. <laughs> yeah. What a story, man! That's <laughs> amazing. That's so cool. And I remember it like it was yesterday. That's why I could. You yeah, know, just tell you the story nonstop. Oh my god! Uh, Wait, one thing though, how was basketball at DJ Quick's house? <laughs> uh, I bloodied his nose, and I thought he was going to kill me. Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, shout to Quick for for showing mercy. Um, I think I was driving into the Hooper. He was driving in, and I went up the block or something, and it was an accident. Yeah, and I hit him in his nose, and but you're at his house. I'm at his DJ spot Quick. in the valley. That's not what you on want. a full court, you know, and I felt. You know, obviously, I felt horrible, and he wow. and I was such, and still am, such a huge fan of his. Not for multiple reasons. Uh, one in particular that we shared the the love for the SP twelve hundred. Oh yeah, which which we had many talks about. Um, and he's a DJ. I mean, it's not DJ. just called DJ Quick. You Man. know, for people that think, you know, I mean, yeah. he's a real dope DJ. Man, I mean, I and I, that was another person that 
that growing up um, uh, as a DJ hearing his stuff, uh, and me and him are probably close to the same age, uh, just, man, he was so far ahead of his time. You know, him and, and Warren G and, you know, obviously people like Dr. Dre. Yeah. And I think the uh, the, the, the the common denominator there is that they were all DJs. Yeah, you're right. You know. You're right. All DJs. It's that DJ production brain, you know. Yeah. And it goes into, I mean, I typed your name into my Serato and into Spotify just before this interview just to kind of like refresh on mm-hmm. your tracks. And because, you know, I play them a lot and it brought me back to such a crazy place of like well when i heard that boomerang track it made me think of las vegas like 2010s kind of era and get buck in here and like your songs are obviously made by a dj but Ooh. get buck in here was probably it was before everyone was making those transition records and it was my way in vegas to like be able to play Two different tempos that were both super hype, you know, like, and the song was dope. I could have that intro if I wanted to just drop right. it in. And then I'd go like to the part with little John that slowed down. Yeah. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm mixing in this tempo. And, you know, it was just perfect as a oh, DJ man. and the boomerang song and all of it you could hear were thought of by a DJ, you know, you and, and you I, had, I had, man, I had fun doing it. Um, I still do. And, and yeah, no, exactly that. When I did, when I did get Buck in here, those those tempos weren't accidental. I'm sure. For sure. Uh, I heard it. I was like, thank God. Well, because, I mean, you know, as you know, the 105 BPM, that was, that was you know, the popular, you know, yeah. in the club, right. you know, tempo. And then and then the, the 88 was when you wanted to get crunk. You yeah. slow it down to that 80, you know, 80 in the 80s range. Right. And, and had that electronic sound. Like, it just sticks in your head. Like, that, that was... That was the producer side of me that had the dance side of me. From yeah, because a lot of people the, weren't using the electronic sounds or anything like that at the time. That was as knowing, much knowing the breakdance music in that tempo, I guess. Yeah, yeah electric, the, electric Kingdom to Planet Rock, right? To to songs like uh, Lil Louis French Kiss. Which, yeah, you know, if you guys don't know Lil Louis French Kiss, do yourself a favor as a DJ and go yeah, look that up. Go look yeah. that up. That's actually where. I was inspired and I uh, by the tempo change. Right. Because yes, you're that, familiar with it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's that house music song and it keeps slowing down. The girl starts down. having an orgasm yeah. as the song slows down. She starts oh, moaning amazing. and yeah. so I um that I always wanted to do that with a song. And uh and I actually had did that with songs that you never heard before. Nobody really heard okay. them that, that, that came out that I produced in Dallas. Uh but but uh, but I w- I wanted to do that and and I and I had a feeling like being the people that were on the song has a good chance of being a decently big big song. Right. wasn't sure how big it would get, but um, but yeah. So I slowed it down because the song was done. the The song was done. Uh, at that point, it was before the tempo change. Before the tempo change. Oh, okay. So, so thank you. Um, with Puff, Luda, and Akon, obviously on the hook. And I was sitting in the studio right 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 up just around the corner in Hollywood. And I remember listening, going, Man, I want to do this tempo change on here. I want I hear Lil John on this shit. Yeah. And we did it. You know, uh, we wow. right then and there. Um and it was man, and I it, it 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 pains me that I can't remember his name to this day, but it was there were they were two they were brothers. Uh-huh. Uh, it was two two of them. I don't I don't think they were twins, but they were brothers and they had moved from Jersey. They had their they had a studio and I loved their studio and I had recorded a lot there and I loved 
their their engineering skills as far as mix downs. Right. And and their names are on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, uh, it's definitely engineered. They and ended mixed up down so good. So they they we were sitting in the studio mixing the record damn near, and I was like, I want to change something. I want to add this. And I we did the tempo change. Oh, okay. It's it's gonna kill me their names, but now now they work hand in hand with, with Bruno Mars. They oh, ended up, they ended stereotypes? up being, no, okay, no no no. Uh, they ended up being um being their 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 right hand dudes okay. in the studio for I think production and engineering, if right. I'm not mistaken. And, and man, it's gonna it's gonna kill me. And I'm so sorry, guys, if y'all are seeing this by any chance that I'm anyway. Yeah. Oh God, was it? Yeah, we'll, we'll find it, it, it put it yeah. in the notes if we yeah, can. Yeah, please, but. please. I'll think of it, and we're going to put that in notes. You're probably seeing it right here. <laughs> uh, but, but man, uh, they were they were awesome. They they helped me make that song sound so great. Yeah. And they, they were real good at taking my vision. I never like, to this day, I don't mix my own songs. Okay. I, I got a good ear, I think, for mixing, and, right. I, and, I, and I do mix. But I like people to take my mix and use that as a reference mix. Yeah. And then you do what you were born to do as an engineer. Right. Uh, and, and, and that's what they did. Um, man, and, 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 and so we slowed it down. We did the tempo change. Oh, it was huge. And, and, and Lil John had just moved here from, from Atlanta, and that was my buddy. And he, was, he literally lived around the corner. And I remember calling him, and it was like 2 in the morning. And he was like, what's up, bitch? And I'm like, <laughs> I need you on this fucking song. He's like, bring it to the house. So I brought it to his house. We ended up, you know, in a hot tub till like, fucking the sun came up. Right. And that's how those vocals uh, got done. Fucked up. That's crazy. You know I, I actually there. think I know the house you're talking about. That one on High, off like Hollywood Bowl. It yeah, was by yeah, it was by yeah, by that club. The it was like shag, and it was that AM. I, I went yeah. to that house a bunch. I think it was okay. the same house. Yeah, it, it, it was the only house he had. Like it was above Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, in that yeah. little neighborhood up 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 above Franklin. Yeah, and, yeah. totally. Yeah, because I met him. Like you know, it's a whole long story. I told it on here before, but I'm I I basically helped him get back into DJing. And oh shit! He, he was on our hundredth episode because we had this crazy connection. Like I met him in New Orleans. Um, when I was DJing uh, Reggie Bush's after party for like the first home Bro, game I of I did Reggie Bush's wedding. That's crazy. no way. That's crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> crazy connection. And like yeah. I'm there, and they're like, "Little John's here," and I had this like you know at the time I'm mixing all this stuff together, and I had this mix where I remember I took "Snap Your Fingers" and I would play the beginning, and then drop to an acapella and put like Khalees Bossy because it sounded the same, and then I would drop to uh, "Pour Some Sugar on Me." Because it was like people wanted rock stuff, and the singer and pour some sugar on me in the beginning. You go dun 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 dun, dun. hey, and then in snap your fingers, he was like hey, fingers. and then yeah. I would go in, I would do him back and forth, and so I was like, he's here. I'm like, should I do this, or he's gonna think I'm an idiot and just hate this? Oh no! And I remember I did it, and it was just like one of those life changing moments he knew, where like, this motherfucker's dope. Yeah, we yeah. met, like, we ended up connecting in the airport the next day. He's like, I want to get into DJing. I used to be a DJ, like, back in Atlanta. Like, I'm trying That's to learn Serato. He's like, you got to come to my house. And I was like, and then, so I remember going home, like, I'm so never So you're gonna. the one we have to blame. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to the 100th episode, he tells, like, basically the whole story from his perspective, and then I tell it from mine. So it was kind of funny Man. to hear both. But, yeah, then he's like, come over. I showed him Serato. I gave him all the songs. That's we started doing crazy. it. We made two mixtapes called Rockbox Volume 1 and Volume 2 that were an 80s mix and a rock mix because he wanted to do that kind of thing. And and then I was telling him, I'm like, 
you could be like Fat Man Scoop, but like you know how to DJ and you could, you you have you everything, you know. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, we just kind of built that up. We would do a four turntable show and we would go around. We did like the opening of. Tile I don't know, Beach but I'm and, calling that motherfucker as soon as it's over and telling him you you give him your you give him your ten percent's <laughs> coming. That's that is he, he's crazy, always dog. he always shouts me out and thanks you know yeah. me, but but yeah, it's as crazy. He like like we. I set us up with like these little tours. We 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 went to Chicago and Detroit and all these cities and we went to Mexico and we were reliving it. Does anybody it on know the, show. the story? I mean, I think he told it on Road Podcast a little bit, but and then this we is told your it. first time. So uh, I'm interviewing him now. This is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spider's a legend, but I I knew that even before that story. But that was, I mean, yeah. So we had that crazy. I mean, I, I, mean, I even, knew that you were a legend. Before oh, that story. oh I didn't you, know the story. You. No, that story. Yeah, and then I I remember being like telling Dexter and AM and all them like like LV like you should you need to sign him. He's going to become a big DJ and. And then he's like, I signed with Scam and Sujit, you know, and then we kind of never, not that I have anything, I mean, I love Sujit and I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. work with him, and but I'm not on Scam. And so he just kind of went off, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and became little John, the DJ, you know, That's and right. just killing it now. But um, yeah, That's it's just dope. a funny, funny connection. So I was at that house all the time. You know, we would be in that room till the sun came up making mixtapes and doing shit on the mic. We used to and party our ass off in that motherfucker. Yeah. Remember the downstairs? Part yeah, of it was of like course. pool table and this. Yes. And then he had another room where it was all his equipment set up. Yeah. And a little, he, he knew what he was doing. I he know. still kind of does a little bit. Yeah, he, he kind of knows what he's doing. A little but. bit. <laughs> um, oh, my God. It's like we're coming to a – we got to get out of here. We're coming to a close. But I had a million things that I didn't get to ask you about. Hey, we, that, um, that's that's called part two, Definitely bro. need a part two because we didn't even get to get into, like, the verses that you just did. Like, probably oh, one of the most – infamous craziest verses i think there has been to this date <laughs> yeah uh, we didn't get to get into that and just a million other things plus i had people from the internet ask questions so definite oh, part shit. two um it's all good i mean some people were asking some guy the dj darth vader said can we in fact get book in here <laughs> but a lot we of people, actually can yes we can right thanks to akon and his amazing hook oh my god amazing i mean that was yeah. like a vegas staple for yeah. me you know thank you bro um, that means a lot. yeah and i mean you know people i was going through your twitter just people writing funny ass shit about you doing your drop while they're like arguing oh, in the <laughs> yeah i don't know what came i don't know how that happened i mean call it alcohol mixed with i i think i kind of knew in that moment like I don't know. I'm a fucking. I'm hit my drop. I'm a DJ. You know, because I was trying to. I think Glad I was also did. trying to break the <laughs> the uh, silence or the. Yeah. What do I hit? I mean, it was either that or a fucking siren, bro. So, <laughs> right. You know, y'all got the DJ. You were doing both. Drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I don't even know, bro. I don't know what I was thinking, how it happened. Well, that uh, night was legendary. You know, yeah, it, and well, it for was you fun. to be a part of it is it just was fun. so dope. I made it out alive. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Everybody made it out alive. There's been some. <laughs> Some oh, and crazy we after partied that night like a mofo. Oh my god! I think I ended up in, in somewhere. I was in. Uh, we went to Tao and ate, and then we went to. Oh, wow. uh, we ended up just club hopping and amazing bouncing around. But it was an amazing night. 
Crazy. Well, Thank you for having me, bro. Seriously. Yeah, let's Thank wrap you. it up. I mean, you know, definitely need a part two because, like, I let's feel go. like we had the best combo and all my yeah. questions just. And I got, I, I think part two, I'm a, I got questions for you yeah, too. Yeah, actually, I, I have a bunch of stories I that you. I left I, out of all that and I want to tell yeah, you. So, let, bro, and I think I'm, we have so many mutual connections oh, that we probably sure. don't even know. So, oh, bro. that would be but amazing. You're, but, a lot, you're probably a lot like you get busy and you get focused and you just, you know, you end up, you know, that's why you are and, yeah. you know, who you are and why you do what you do you just right non-stop man oh man well thank you for everything you know thank you for coming on but thank, thank you. you like i said in the beginning everything you've done for the dj culture and <laughs> I, I think it's a lot you know like you you know you could laugh it off but i it's uh i've just had we fun, appreciate man. it yeah and uh fun. i guess before we get out of here do you have any last words for the djs out there or anything you want to tell them you know words of advice or anything yeah i mean you know I think touching on kind of how we started off with the fear thing, like yeah, um, right. You, there was a, a a running through line. All your stories had that uncomfortable thing. Like you always had that thing. It was funny as I was listening, where you were like, and then I didn't want to do it. It was yeah, weird for me, yeah. and it led to the biggest thing in the world. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. and man, you know, you don't realize it when it's happening. Yeah, uh, and even now that I'm older, like I, I could take a, a a dose of that medicine. From back in the day, right, and and you can always apply it uh, to your now self, yeah. And I think sometimes along the way we forget we forget that. But but if I had to leave DJs or anybody for that matter yeah, with anything, anybody. it would be that that hey, whatever you're doing, uh, and and, and, you, and you aspire to do more of that, or maybe you aspire to do something that's that's in that realm of things, but it's way different. Yeah, um, find that fear. Yeah. Because when you find that fear, that's when you know you're on the right track. Right. To your point earlier as well. Yeah. Um, you have to feel uncomfortable. So my my advice uh, would be, you know, make sure you feel a little bit uncomfortable because the day that you're not feeling uncomfortable um, is the day that you're 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 not really progressing. Um, yeah. And and that's so great. you know, try to find that uncomfortability and use that and know that it's it's. It, it's get it's getting you to that next level, yeah. And then before you know it, that uncomfortableness that you feel with that thing is going to go away, right? And then you got to go find something else that makes you yeah. uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. So oh, that, that's amazing. Find that fear. That's find like a, that fear, man. You got to find that fear. And I and I I, I have to take that advice. Um, we all myself. do. I I'm able to give advice, and then sometimes I look back like I need to listen to myself, you know? For so. Sure. Um, oh man, thank you, Felly Fell Twenty Podcast. Yeah, Appreciate always, it. bro. Next yeah. time, man. Part two coming. Yes, part two coming. All right, see you soon. Yeah, Peace. Man. Peace, y'all. All right, thank you to Felly Fell for coming on the show. It was an honor getting to talk to him and learn so much. It was so much fun. Thank you guys for listening. Like I said before, hit me up at DJ Spider on Instagram. Uh, let me know what you think. And also make sure you rate and review sh the show on Apple Podcasts app. And on any other platform you check us out on, The 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.